0: Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and I'm happy to be joined by my friend Elijah Howard to discuss this one. Elijah, how's it going?
1: Doing pretty well, thank you. I'm happy to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm glad to have you here because I know you know a good bit more about Godzilla than I do. Uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters is the sequel to the 2014 film Godzilla that was directed by Gareth Edwards and was actually pretty well received at the time. This one hasn't been quite as well received, but it picks up about – I I, I think it's in real time, right, Elijah, where it probably is about five years since the events of the first one? Yeah.
1: yeah, so the first one is set in 2014, and we are here about five years later in 2019, and the film is set now. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, it seemed like it was present day exactly, like about a five year jump. But you know, at the in the 2014 one, Godzilla and the 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 MUTO monsters just kind of tore up San Francisco, and Godzilla uh, went away, and now in that we we pick up with this one with we have a few of the returning characters the uh from from the last one I mean we have the Sally Hawkins Dr. Vivian Graham character and uh Ken Watanabe's character who's uh, um drawn a blank on his name for a second. Shirozawa. Yeah Dr. Shirozawa so they're back but we we're following a different family this time uh where we have uh Vera Farmiga is playing a Dr. Emma Russell who uh works for she 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 actually works for the organization uh Monarch that kind of tracks all the monsters and is keeping tabs on them and all that and she's off at one of these locations with her daughter who's played by Millie Bobby Brown her name is Madison and they've been uh, somewhat estranged from uh Dr. Russell's or I should say Emma because they're both Dr. Russell from her husband Dr. Mark Russell played by Kyle Chandler because the family has fallen on hard times because they lost a son in the 2014 attacks on San Francisco and uh now she has been kind of monitoring these other monsters and all of a sudden, uh, one of them ends up getting out because this is a Godzilla movie, and that is what happens. Uh, it, also, I mean, she has an, a device called an, the Orca, which can kind of transmit different frequencies, and they can alter the behavior of the different monsters. And that's kind of a – I don't want to call it a MacGuffin, but it's a its a recurring thing that they keep having to go back to throughout the movie. So that's, that's constantly at play. Uh, but they're they're tracking these uh, creatures, and the, this first one, the Mothra, manages to escape, and it, it attacks a lot of them. And then they have to track it to Antarctica, and, and we're off. I don't want to detail every little thing of the plot but that's kind of how we get going in this movie but uh before we jump back into the bones of the plot of Godzilla King of the Monsters Elijah I want to ask you something because I think I saw a few Godzilla movies when I was little but not enough to really be that well versed in them so I was I was pretty new to this and I watched the 2014 one for the first time actually just like a few days before seeing uh King of the Monsters so I'm a little new to all this what's your relationship with the Godzilla universe and what what was your reaction to the 2000 2014 movie and uh, how excited were you for this one?
1: So, um, growing up, I remember uh, probably like a lot of like a lot of Americans. Uh, my first encounter, a lot of Americans of our generation, my first encounter with um, Godzilla was the 1999. I don't remember actually which company made it. Now I'm blank, drawing a blank on that. But the the Roland Emmerich directed um, Godzilla movie with Matthew Broderick and uh, John Reno and <laughs> the guy who plays Mo and The Simpsons, <laughs> um, like I just in, in that movie was, you know, for five year old me, that movie was pretty crazy, um, and I really enjoyed it. Retrospectively, it wasn't that good. In fact, it's pretty bad, almost so bad to the point that that Godzilla has been retconned to not actually be Godzilla hmm. um, in, in the canon of Godzilla. That that the dinosaur in that movie has now been retconned, so it's not actually Godzilla. Um, gotcha. But as a kid, you know, you absorb something like that, and then it's kind of like, well, where do I go from here? Um, and at the time in the early 2000s, there was a lot of media actually being released for Godzilla. Um, a lot of live action films that really not a lot of people here in the West saw because they were, you know, pretty much uh, like exclusively being released in Japan. Um, mm, gotcha. And uh, th- those were being produced by the Toho Company, which. Um, you know is pretty much the they they created the Godzilla character and have largely ferried it through its existence Um, but in the early 2000s you had you know all the Godzilla versus Megaguirus and Godzilla Millennium and Godzilla Final Wars and all these movies um, that just kept coming out and more and more and more of them Um, and so when I was young I watched a lot of them and then you know, over the years started going back and watching the ones, um, you know, from the original Toho and Showa periods and watching stuff from the, you know, fifties and sixties and seventies as right. well.
0: I was also, I was also advised that I might enjoy like Shin Godzilla, which I guess is kind of like the, 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 more, one of the more well-received ones from Japan that came out in the last few years.
1: So yeah, Shin Shin Godzilla came out in 2015 or 2016, I think 2016. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, it's a it's a fantastic film, and it was it's, it's interesting because um, Godzilla: Final Wars came out in like 2005, right. um, and that was that was a Toho Godzilla film that was pretty much only seen in Japan and you know on on tape in the U.S. Um, and uh, that was the last Godzilla film that Toho made for 10 years hmm. until you know 2016 when they made uh, Shin Gojira, and. Um, or, or Godzilla Resurgent. I'm sorry if that's you know the, for for your listeners <laughs> that, that's the the English title. Gotcha. Um, there was a lot of excitement about that movie, and that movie was excellent. I love that well, one. So
0: what about what about Gareth Edwards' uh, 2014 Godzilla? Because I that I mean I guess that was somewhat of a big deal because that was English language, and it uh, and I guess it had been a while since they did an English language one on that scale. Where did you come down on that one?
1: Um, I liked it. I you know I thought there were parts of it that you know, dragged. I don't know overall how successful I thought it was. Um, but I think it, it got back to a lot of, um, the, the root concepts of the Godzilla mythology and, you know, really about the, you know, devastation, the human devastation of, you know, symbolically, nuclear warfare, and in the in the in the literal sense of these monsters that are destroying these cities. Um, and I think they did a, it did a pretty good job capturing that visually and and and, um, you know, uh, emotionally. So I liked that aspect of it. Um,
0: yeah. You know, I enjoyed that too. Like a lot of the, just the human stuff in the first half of that movie. Like, I, I don't know. I, I just thought they built up the suspense really well. And I don't know. and in some ways I respected how it pulled off the monster fight at the end. But th- at, at the same time, I like, I, I got that they were doing something a little different, but I also found it like hard to watch and hard to track the action and figure out exactly everything that was going on. Like it was this shot really dark. And I, you know, I felt like they were trying to hide the ball a little bit on trying not to show Godzilla too much. And I, I get there's kind of the idea behind that but at the same time it was like it almost made it too hard to follow the action at a certain point. And that was kind of where I came down on the especially just the last half of that movie left a weird taste in my mouth.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think there there's overall there were some design flaws with the movie. You mentioned it being too dark. I agree. I think um you know for some scenes like the halo jump sequence um towards the end of that movie where mm-hmm. The soldiers do the high altitude jump so they can land at the exact, you know, right position where they need to be in the middle of the city. The darkness in that scene looks incredible because it's, you know, so contrasted with the flare lighting and all of this, you know, this stuff. But then you have this big battle and you have a lot of computer cinematography, which is a term that I'm probably going to bring up a lot. <laughs> in OK, this so, so what, what, what does that mean? So when you're making a movie, the, you know normally you shoot things with a camera. Um, and when you're shooting actors, when you're shooting things uh, live, you shoot with a real camera. Now, movies like this, um, the Godzilla films, the American Godzilla films specifically, have moved more towards uh, virtual cinematography, which is where when your characters are 100% CGI – you have no need to actually shoot anything in in real in person. Like you you don't you're not actually shooting actors. At most you're shooting mocaps of you know of actors who are you know dressed as these as these monsters. But right. for the most part they are being uh, superimposed in a digital environment onto a digital background and a digital world. Um, and and that, at that point. All of the cinematography, all of the choices of how and where to move the camera, all of the lighting choices, all of that is done digitally. It's mm. all done in programs like Maya or Cinema 4D. And so, you know, bringing it back, I think some of the problems of the 2014 Godzilla were these choices to do things with digital cinematography that just don't make sense. They're unintelligible. Mm. Um, and th- like you said, the, there's so much movement, it doesn't feel human at all. Um, and when the movie has done such a good job building up the human element, it's really disappointing, uh, to have that all blown away by, you know, these weird outlandish flying camera moves that, that are, that don't feel real at all. Well, what's interesting though,
0: cause I'll go ahead and say about this movie, I, 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 I I thought it did a particularly a pretty poor job at building up the human element ultimately, but I had a lot more fun watching monsters fuck shit up, and that th- that's where I kind of come down on is like the human stuff did nothing for me here, but I still like I was able to just sit back and laugh and have a fun time with a crowded theater of just being like holy shit what are these monsters doing, and that's ultimately like what I thought worked about this movie, even if like I really could have cared less about these people and I thought they were pretty stupid.
1: Right, and it's it's largely the reverse of of the, of the 2014 Godzilla, the 2014 Godzilla had, a you know, really well developed human elements. And then
0: and I want to say first, though, what's really impressive about what the 2014 one did in that regard is that you're with those humans a lot for a, like a lot less time than you are with them in this movie. And it still did a better job of it. like Brian Cranston and Julia Pinochet are not in that movie for that long. And Aaron Taylor Johnson is like the least interesting of all those humans probably. And, but like, I, I don't know. I still cared a lot more about them than I did with these people. And we're with them the whole time in this movie.
1: Yeah yeah I agree and I think this movie uh you know I think something that comes up a lot when we talk about movies on this podcast is inevitably character writing and I don't I don't because I don't think the problem is necessarily uncommitted performances yeah I mean I think Vera Farmiga phoned it in I wasn't gonna you even know, say that I think-
0: but I, but like I mean okay we're gonna we're gonna spoil this movie now because I mean like I, I gotta talk about what Vera, Vera Farmiga's character does but suffice <laughs> it to say if you if, if you want to watch monsters like mess shit up and you're not really caring that much about deep character development this movie is for you go watch it, and if you don't care about spoilers, keep listening. But like, I'm going to talk about some spoiler stuff now because it seems like an Elijah and Iron Agreement, and we can recommend it if you want to go watch monsters do crazy stuff. It does it better than the last one, but I'll say now, vr, VR, VR character has like maybe the most stupid plan I've ever heard of in, in any movie in this movie, and it just kind of like almost took me out of the movie completely.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I. Basically, that's like, for, and, and for, that's
0: more on the writing than I think it is on the performance. Like, I, I mean, if if you think you've it in, I'm not going to sit here and strongly disagree with you. But it's like this performance is, or this this character is just making the dumbest choice.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not I I'm I, I'm not trying to you know stop Vera from Iga's bags here. I think right. you know she's obviously a talented actress. I don't think this was her finest hour. But yeah, I think more of that character's problems come down to the writing, which is just this uh, asinine heel turn, which is not, I mean, it's just so, it's such a flop. It like the way that it happened reminded me of the way that soccer players flop <laughs> in, in matches where it's just like, they get dinked and they like do this massive thing. And I'm not trying to like, okay. So for people who haven't seen it yet, uh, a lot of the, all of the, like the main characters, it's a family, uh, Kyle Chandler plays the father, Vera Farmiga plays the mother and Millie Bobby Brown plays the daughter. All of their motivations revolve around this idea that they were involved in the 2014 uh, Godzilla incident, and that the the younger son of the family died, um, and you know everybody reacted to it differently. Vera Farmiga's character's reaction to that is to become a terrorist, um, which yep. just <laughs> it doesn't really it doesn't really work. And I mean, it's the reveal is so. It's so drawn out, like I mean can you by, can you
0: even explain the rationale? It's like if they people will adjust better if the monsters kill a certain amount of them, and then the world will be in better balance I mean, is it just like a Thanos type of thing like what are we doing here i i I really couldn't follow
1: yeah, it is it's it, it, and it's kind of a weird like affront to you know like the villains of this film are environmentalists who are basically saying that because, you know, human climate change has caused such radical problems, the only way that we can fix it is by unleashing giant monsters to kill off a large percentage of the population and, and restore balance to the world. Right.
0: All right. That, that, that um, is kind of what it was. I just forgot because I just got – I was so overwhelmed by how dumb it was. You know, I think the bigger thing is that I got to – you got to do a better job of just like – the reveal is very dumb. And if they do if they find some better way to show me what this world looks like, I'm not going to say I'm going to get on board with genocide, but maybe I'll be a little more intrigued with with what your movie has to say and they just didn't really like do a good job of showing what the her ideal scenario possibly was. I couldn't envision a way in which that could possibly even approximately approach being a good idea and uh, you, you know, one movie I thought about during this, uh, which I, I think you've probably seen these movies because uh, you're uh, the, the directors a fellow FSU school alum, was the Maze Runner movies. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Maze Runner Death Cure, which, I mean, it, it, it finally, I mean, I, I honestly don't really remember what even happened in the, the the second Maze Runner movie. I mean, I remember the first one pretty well. And, and Death Cure, you finally kind of get to the point where it's like, oh, like. They're they're using the blood of these people the the ones that are like are I think I think they're called immunes or something like that or there there's certain people left that have like special blood that can really basically just help save the race. It's just like they are they they take it too far like the people that are trying to like suck the blood from these folks. But it's like at the same time like people are going extinct like we need these people's blood. It was like I at least found that movie kind of interesting. It's like these people are going about it the wrong way, but I at least get why they need to be do what they're doing. And I you know I think you got to like at least make a half-hearted attempt at making a reasonable argument on behalf of your villain if they're going to do something that evil. And I thought like The Maze Runner movie like did that actually halfway decently, whereas like this movie just absolutely fails in that regard.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I mean, it's just it permeates every part of of the movie. I mean, her plan to to do this is to basically create a super weapon. That can, that can basically a tool that can weaponize these monsters. And it's like, does that, does does nobody stop to think that that's like a dangerous concept? Like that could get out of hand. <laughs> like they're just like, we'll just make this machine that can control these giant monsters, and then we'll use it to basically set them loose. <laughs> nobody stopped to think for one second. It's like if these got into the wrong hands, like if they got into the hands of actual terrorists, we could, you know, be in a lot of trouble.
0: One thing um, I, one thing I did kind of respect about it though is that, like, at, at a certain point, I'm just like thinking like man, like, why do we even have this monarch thing? Like, I remember thinking that at some point, whether it be in this movie or, like, late in the last movie, it's like, why are we fucking with these monster things anymore? Like, why are we even putting them in a position where they could possibly, like go awry i mean at least it's like at least until the most recent jurassic world movie like all the dinosaurs were like confined to one island it's like there's only so much damage they could do and it's like all right i get it. you're trying to like monetize this thing but it's like when the monsters like have the potential to like do the damage that these monsters do it's like why are we even bothering like this organization it's, their existence seems ridiculous and i i often kind of dislike these movies in any kind of movie where you have to like Go back to, like, Congress or go in front of governing bodies to, like, debate whether or not this thing is worthwhile. Or even, like, in the Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation. Like, I hated, like, having to keep going back to Congress and, like, having Alec Baldwin, like, argue and stuff like that. It's, like, this feels like it's, like, a lot of wasted energy right here that I don't need. We know that Ethan Hunt's going to save the day. But here it's, like, yeah, I really did need someone to, like, question Monarch's existence. And the fact that it ultimately gets kind of upended and is, like— infiltrated by people as crazy as Vera Farmiga. I'm like, all right, I'm I'm glad we can like drop this whole facade and w- do away with all pretense that this is like a totally legitimate organization with like that can only do good and is there for good. Like I, I just got kind of sick of it. Like I was like we should stop messing with these things that are going to potentially unleash so much damage.
1: It, this movie exists within the greater uh Monsterverse, the greater uh, Warner Brothers Legendary oh, Pictures true, Monsterverse. True. And uh, the the other entry besides the 2014 Godzilla in this monster verse is, uh, King Kong Skull Island. Right. Um, and that movie actually, I, I did not really like that movie. Um, but I will say that it had an interesting perception of Monarch, which I thought, because Monarch is largely a creation of, you know, this universe that there's, there's analogs to it in other, um, in in Toho uh, Godzilla films, but largely the the Monarch that we see in this movie is a, is, a, is a new organization. Um, and what I really liked about Kong Skull Island was that it presented Monarch not necessarily as the bad guys, but not really as the good guys either. And I thought that was a great vestige of its representation as American power. Agreed. It's like we this this movie which is about Vietnam. There's this. Organization that's going into the jungle and messing with things that it shouldn't be messing with. Um, and I really liked that representation of Monarch is like, they're the good guys, but they're really kind of upsetting the natural order. Um, and this film sort of in a weird way, like rehabilitated Monarch's uh, uh, image, which my guess was only due to the fact that they need to have Monarch basically be the good guys because this is an extended universe now. Um, they, they instead took a part of Monarch and said, that's the bad part. The rest of Monarch's good. We
0: don't even know who the good members of Monarch really are anymore. Cause like Sally Hawkins, like she, her, her Dr. Uh, Graham, she, she, she dies, but doesn't get much of a death.
1: She deceased? dies off screen, like twenty minutes into the movie. Yeah, so, it's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, it's, it was very weird. Like, I, I don't think I realized to, like I think they showed her on the screen later in another ship as like oh deceased, and I think that mm-hmm. was how you find out. It was very an unceremonial death for her, unfortunately. So like she's gone pretty quickly. Doctor Sarazawa, obviously we like him, but he's gone, and, and obviously Doctor Doctor Russell. She like I mean I guess she, she I mean she wasn't good, but now she's gone, and it's like who are we like. Um, we don't even know who exists, even if like maybe we can think that like they kind of got rid of the dirty, not so good parts of it. I mean, like, it's funny because like presumably they want to keep the cinematic universe going. But I wonder in and, and the, and the events of King Kong, like you said, Vietnam movie. So if they're bringing K- King Kong's still hanging around, it's going to be in 2021 or something. You know what I mean? Like so whoever was running Monarch in that movie is probably not going to be around either. So I guess they can kind of like just cast new people for it if they want to keep this thing going.
1: Yeah, I mean, we have Bradley Whitford, who, <laughs> who, is, who I actually thought he probably gave the best performance in the entire movie. He was fun. <laughs> and that might just be, yeah, because he, he was the only person who really leaned into the campiness of, of Godzilla.
0: Right.
1: Um, and, uh, you know, I just I, – I don't – I'm not really sure – where are they going to take it? I mean, I,
0: I think Thomas Middleditch survived the movie too, right? He's Thomas the director, Middleditch, director, surf- yeah. director of technology. Not that I really, that character was much of anything, but like he he's still around, I suppose. Um,
1: I know that. So Joe Morton appears in this movie for like 30 seconds. And I was really, really confused when he appeared. Um, he shows up when they're at, they cut, There's, like, no context to it. They cut from the action of the film back to the monarch facility that's in China where they've, like, they've run down Mothra and Mothra's, like, under a waterfall and about to bloom and turn into... and turn from Larvritha into Mothra. Hmm. Um, And randomly, Joe Morton shows up in, like, the tent and he's like, oh, he's about to... You know, Mothra's about to... And then we see... The uh, the twin Asian doctor is there, and then Mothra comes out and flies off, and that's the last. It's the first and last time we see either of those characters. I did find out that Joe Morton is playing an older version of Corey Hawkins' character from Skull Ah, Island. Interesting. But I, there's no way you would have known that. Honestly, you could, have, you could, you could, we
0: could have gotten on here, and you could have told me. Remember that scene where Corey Hawkins dies in Skull Island? I have been like, "Oh, maybe that did happen." Like I, I had no idea he even made it out of that movie. <laughs> right.
1: The only reason I remember is because he's in the post-credit scene uh, oh, okay. of of Skull Island. But on, like, yeah, I, and I just don't know. There's no way you would have known that uh, watching this movie. So I don't really know why it's even there. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, just like. Something – you know, like I was saying with Vera Farmiga's heel turn, it was just so drawn out and the exact moment when it's actually explained when she gets on Skype and is like – and she like has a PowerPoint presentation queued up (laughs) and she's like showing – it cuts to a wide shot and there's like – on the monitor, there's like clips of like the results of global warming. I was like, what – like did you like queue up Prezi here for like your evil – heel turn speech and, like. it's, and it's
0: also implied that she had shared some version of this plan with Maddie uh, right right Brown's character but it's like what version was that she she's like this isn't what you told me it was gonna be like I don't know what she had told her kid her plan was and like what her plan was to like get the kid on board eventually luckily the kid has more of a conscience than her mom but uh, I, I, I don't know what what she what how she thought that conversation was ultimately gonna go it's just very weird that she's could be that I don't know like uh that, i don't know that, that we're supposed to think that like she actually thought this through i don't know uh, it was just really hard to wrap my head around
1: yeah i i would and, and unfortunately that is the impulse of most of the film it's the that's the driving action and it just really doesn't
0: well so is there a version of this that you like you're like if when you when, when you like look back on this movie is it, like it should have been this. Like, can you even see a version of this movie that you think like actually has like a really engaging conflict? Should it have just been humans against the monsters? Like, is there a way to even have like a, is this, is the Charles dance character just a bit different in a way that like he can be the ultimate foil. Like I, I I'm trying to think of like what this could have been that would have like made it <laughs> better than just like monsters fighting, which again, I thought they did much better than the last movie, but like, I'm just wondering if, is there some way to have some kind of human conflict here? Cause I mean, that, that's something that were, like, that's something that the last movie didn't even really try and do.
1: You're, you're asking the wrong person here because my my take on this movie was that it should have just been Godzilla Unleashed, the movie, and there should have been no human characters. It should have been entirely through the perspective of Godzilla. Um, Is that a fun which movie to watch? It would have been a really weird movie yeah. too because you're, squ- sounds, you're swimming
0: through the sea a lot,
1: right? You, and it just it sounds like something really. Like cool in concept, but I have no idea how it would have been pulled off. But that would have been, I think, when you're talking when you're talking about a movie called Godzilla, King of Monsters. And I, I eventually, I but have we to make a mental We, we, note we here. haven't really
0: talked about Godzilla that much, actually.
1: Right, and I do want to actually specifically talk about the title, okay. but I want to finish my point here. Right. when you're talking about a movie that's called Godzilla, King of Monsters, it seems really weird to have this ultra drawn out stupid plot about the human interactions and i get that the whole idea is like who's who's top chicken like you know who who that that's the whole movie is like trying to figure out is it the humans with the orca is it king Ghidorah, is it you know who who's really the king right. but i think an interesting way to frame that would have been to make a movie that was more actually about godzilla than it was about the humans which would have been pretty revolutionary for godzilla toho or non-toho but
0: yeah I, I agree. Like it seems like it's given just the, the title sets you up for something that's like a little different that you don't really even get an idea of what that would look like till maybe the last shot of this movie. what 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 I'll say is like I, I do think it it is interesting to like try and a little get more get to the bottom of Godzilla as a character, which I mean, the movie spends a lot of time following Godzilla around trying to rescue him resuscitate him and whatnot but like you know one of the interesting things at the end of the 2014 one was when all of a sudden he's the hero at the end and like i'm like i i, I was like was i watching this movie right was i supposed to think that all along or are the people just happy that like the byproduct of him winning the fight meant that like their city didn't get any more screwed up than it already was and and so i guess i was just a little confused by that in that moment and I was like, huh, how am I supposed to feel about this guy? And it, it's kind of a given that like they know he's the good guy, for lack of a better term in this movie. But I don't know if it's like fully interrogating his motivations, as weird as that sounds to like trying and get to the motivations of a Godzilla. Like I think there's there's more of a way to like make it about Godzilla at the expense of some of this human element that we didn't enjoy so much.
1: Right. And I mean, I think you that's something that you have to lay out. If you're going to make a Godzilla movie, that's something you have to lay out. Immediately before you really get to building your movie, because there I, there there are two ways to make a Godzilla movie. There are there's the way that the original 1954 Godzilla did and that Shin Gojira did, which was this epic human drama about all these you know people, this tapestry work of you know the human uh, expense of 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 an interaction with a monster. Shin Gojira is a very similar movie in that regard. And there's the other way to do it, you know, which is to make something like, you know, like Godzilla's first encounter with Gigan or, or any time they have like Jet Jaguar in one of the Godzilla movies where it's like, hmm. you know, most of, the, most of the human element goes by the wayside and it's just an excuse to watch big things beat each other up. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like you can make a good movie like that. Um, but I... You know, is it is it really does this movie really get to the heart of either of those? No, No. not really.
0: But 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 what what I do want to ask you before we finish, like it did, you agreed with me on it, like being a fun time, like at parts, just watching this it fight Monster Zero and all that, and like what do you think the movie did better from a visual standpoint? Because I I can say it's more fun, but I think you probably have the words to do it better right? whether it be some of these different like i mean what was the, that computer cinematography you mentioned earlier was that a big factor and maybe this just being a more visually stimulating interesting to look at fight
1: Honestly, I actually think the, the digital, the, the, the um, virtual cinematography in this movie was a problem, but I think maybe what the, the one thing that this movie did better was it just gave us a little more time with the monsters, whereas the other film tried to really drag it out um, and show us only little bits and pieces here and there, right. which I don't know how well that approach works for a Godzilla movie. It works really well for something like Cloverfield. But I don't know how well it works for something like Godzilla, or even Jaws.
0: Uh, I mean, I guess that's the original one, you know?
1: Right. Exactly. There were there were visual elements. Of, there were there were parts of this movie, visually speaking, that I thought looked amazing. I thought a lot of the the wide establishing stuff with um, King Ghidorah, all of the shots of like him in the in the storm, you know, where you get these really wide, tremendous shots with scale, and you can see you know how big this monster is compared to everything around him i thought those were really great i love rodan's birth scene um in mexico there was something very that sort of Hmm. reminded me of like um have you ever seen ninth uh fantasia the disney one from like uh, 1940 sorry been a minute but
0: i so i am it's not initially coming to mind but
1: uh, yeah there's a sequence in the, in that movie where, uh, it's like the, the it's set "Night on Bald Mountain, the Mussorgsky, uh, classical piece. Okay. And it's just like, it's surprisingly horrific, scary thing for a Disney movie of like this giant demon spawning on top <laughs> of a mountain and like, you know, cut, like coming up from the top of the mountain and like raising hell and demons and stuff from all over the place. I will and agree. That,
0: that was a cool visual. Like when he first showed yeah. up on top of the volcano.
1: Yeah, like Rodan birthing from the volcano, I thought was a really at the cool... same at the
0: same time though. Like I, I recognize that that was it, that looked really cool, but that was it. That was like at the moment at which my disbelief at the stupidity of this movie was like at its highest because I'm like, wow, we're watching about to watch like, watch a bunch of human beings get burned alive, and this woman thinks it's a good idea. I was like, oh, <laughs> I, I couldn't quite get that out of my head. One other thing I'll speak to visually that I appreciated that's not that doesn't maybe have so much to do with just the the way it shot as as opposed to where it shot was that like. You know, in the last like six years, San Francisco has taken a beating at the movies. Uh, Whether, I mean, like I can think of like four different movies off the top of my head where like it's gotten like it's just gotten totally pummeled. Whether it be like the 2014 Godzilla or like uh, San Andreas, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, you know, like, and I I'm thinking I'm forgetting like at least two more it, for whatever reason that just became the place to kill after like we did it to New York for a long time at the movies. So like Boston is at least a very, very different looking city getting the rights to be able to tear apart Fenway park was pretty cool. And just a different thing to look at as opposed to the, like, the very dark, non-colorful bland version of San Francisco we got in 2014. I just thought it gave us something different, cool to look at. And that, that was worth at least something to me.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I think anything that can, can change it up a little bit is always welcome – yeah, I, I agree.
0: Is, is, there, is there anything else you want to touch on? I mean, I feel like I've I've kind of gotten most of my thoughts off my chest. You know, like I said, I I, I had a fun time, but like I could have, uh, I, I there are certainly other things the the movie could have focused on uh, with regards to its humans that would have made it a much more fulfilling overall experience for me. But is there are there any other points you haven't made yet, or anything I didn't touch on that you wanted to uh, mention before you wrap up?
1: Yeah, uh, one thing that I had that struck me as kind of interesting was that. Um, this movie was called Godzilla King of Monsters, mm-hmm. um, which was the same title that was used for the 1956 version of Godzilla called Godzilla King of Monsters. And um, something that I, I would assume probably a lot of people don't know is that the the first Godzilla film ever made, Godzilla, you know, just Godzilla, it was released in 1954, that one, for the longest time, was not the Godzilla movie that people in America saw. Huh. People in America saw a 1956 re-edit of the movie called Godzilla King of Monsters. Huh. And the movie was wildly uh, altered in order to make it palatable for American audiences. And that included quite literally adding in a white American character. Um, <laughs> Into the into the movie as the main character um, and and largely evaporating a lot of things like, you know, the themes about, uh, you know, the terrors of nuclear war and, and stuff like that. And I they it, it change a lot of the tone. It, it's just a, it's, a, it's an example of pretty rotten, uh, you know, Americanization of, of a foreign property. And so I couldn't really stop thinking about that while watching this movie, which has the same name and is largely also a pretty clear Americanization of a lot of things that Toho had tried to accomplish. Yeah, and aside, from the, and
0: aside from, I guess, Ken Watanabe, I mean, uh, and I think there's one other Asian scientist woman that's somewhat prominently featured. It's, it's mostly white people, too.
1: Exactly, yeah. And, I, you know, look, I don't have a problem with that necessarily, but I think that I, and i'm I'm not saying that this movie would have been better if it had you know had not had an all Asian cast necessarily. there's plenty of Godzilla films that are not good yeah. that have all Asian casts but um what what I do think is that they've lost uh you know by by making this movie the way that it was the way that it is rather they've they've lost a lot of um kind of the spirit of of the original uh character in the original character's universe and so maybe my parting note would be for you know a suggestion that people go and look back through toho's uh film library and watch stuff like you know watch stuff like is that stuff is that stuff
0: is that stuff widely available
1: Um, It is now. You know, you can go online and and find a lot of it. And I don't want to speak too soon, but for a while on Filmstruck, right before Filmstruck closed, a number of Toho Godzilla films were available on Filmstruck. And there is speculation, perhaps, that they might be re-released in the U.S. by the Criterion Collection in the next year or two. Um, the original Godzilla, 1954 Godzilla, uh, in its original form, the Japanese version, not Godzilla King of Monsters. Um, the original Godzilla is is already available through Criterion, and a lot of a lot of Toho's other films are available online. Uh, you know, because they're so ubiquitous now. Things like Mothra and. Um, uh, you know, Mothra versus Godzilla and Ghidorah, the three-headed monster and, you know, all all of the, the films that kind of laid the foundation are pretty well regarded now because the people that in the U.S. who grew up watching those movies are now adults and get, are, are, are we're the tastemakers. Right. So, um, and uh, in general, Toho is just a fascinating company too. I mean, besides Godzilla, they produced a large number of Akira Kurosawa films. Oh. like, <laughs> um Like Throne of Blood and Ron, and, and a, a large portion of his career was produced through Toho. Um, Interesting, as, as are a number of other excellent films. So I would urge people to go back uh, and look through Toho's catalog, and um you know, just check out what they have to offer. Yeah, I mean, I, as
0: I am on a continual quest to uh, broaden my uh f- personal filmography of things I've seen, and I've over the last just few years since I've gotten into this and doing this podcast, and I want to have more reference points and. Be, uh, just ha- have seen a more wide variety of things, and th- that's certainly interesting to hear you talk about just like a line of films in that regard that like are that that are a blind spot for me that seem like they have like where you can get a lot of p- potentially interesting things in uh, one fell swoop, for lack of a better term, uh, and a-, a-, a wide array of type of Japanese film, which is cool. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, it's really the, it's the original cinematic universe, you know, yeah. <laughs> before Marvel, before uh, DC. We had Godzilla. We had a couple of other things too. But uh, yeah, that serialized filmmaking, it's always fun to kind of take part in that when you can. Gotcha.
0: All right. Well, uh, Elijah, before we sign off, anything you want to plug?
1: Yeah. Um... Wow, we have a lot coming up uh, in the next month on Cartoon Network. Um, It's summer, so we always have new stuff coming up. But um, I think uh, we're going to get a couple of cool special feature episodes of uh, Victor and Valentino, which one is one of our new shows, and uh, Craig of the Creek, which is coming back. So look for that on Cartoon Network.
0: Gotcha. All right. And as usual, I'm at Josh Urnavoi, J O S H J U R N O V O Y on Twitter and Letterboxd. And the podcast has its own Twitter feed now, Rewind Movie Pod. So everyone is an eye out for that. Uh, thank you for listening. Coming up next week, we will be hopefully – hopefully I'll be able to get out podcasts on both late night and – Uh, men in black international and uh, maybe a few of the other indie things that are kicking around. We'll see. So everyone stay tuned for that. We'll see you next time.